Welcome to the CSIS Podcast. I'm Colm Quinn. We've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about islands that China claim as their own, but for once the island in question is not artificial. Taiwan is back in the news after President-elect Donald Trump broke a 37-year diplomatic taboo by taking a phone call with Tsai Ing-wen, Taiwan's president. The move has angered China, who officially considered the island of 23 million as a breakaway province and formerly part of China. The United States has had to balance the relationship with Taiwan for decades, supplying with arms and other assistance, but leaving the concept of Taiwan's sovereignty as an independent nation purposefully ambiguous in order to keep China on side. So does the Trump phone call reset how the US sees Taiwan? And how will China react? I spoke with Bonnie Glazer, the director of our China Power Project at CSIS, for her insight. We begin by briefly summing up how the U.S. stance has evolved. Since the United States established diplomatic relations with the People's Republic of China in 1979 and broke its diplomatic ties with Taiwan or the Republic of China, the United States has imposed restrictions on how it does business with Taiwan. Uh, Most of this is self-imposed. There really aren't any laws that are written that the U.S. abides by. They are practices. And one of the prohibitions has been on presidents of the United States talking either through phone calls or meetings uh, with uh, presidents of Taiwan. We don't know. There might have been letters that have been been written by prior presidents. If so, they have been kept under wraps. But for a president-elect to openly have a phone call, to tweet about it, for a photo to be released of the president of Taiwan uh, on the phone with advisors in the room with the president-elect of the United States is unprecedented. Uh, It is a departure from past practice. And then it raises questions um, in the minds of many people. Uh, Is this part of a new strategy towards China? Is it a signal that the U.S.-Taiwan relationship is going to change under President Trump? Or is it perhaps um, a signal that President Trump isn't very well informed about the way that the U.S. has conducted its policies uh, with Taiwan and the history of the U.S.-China relationship and the understandings that Beijing and Washington have had about how to manage Taiwan so that it doesn't become an explosive issue in that very important U.S.-China bilateral relationship. Well, let's talk about that specific relationship. How has Beijing seen this? What have they been saying uh, about the call? The immediate response by the Chinese government came from Foreign Minister Wang Yi, who said that this was a petty trick that uh, was conducted by the president of Taiwan. Um, He deliberately did not mention uh, Trump or the United States. And so I think that Beijing was wise in uh, holding out the possibility that through conversations over the coming weeks before the inauguration on January 20th, that uh, China can educate the president-elect and his team about uh, the very sensitive nature of the Taiwan issue in the U.S.-China relationship and perhaps uh, prevent uh, Trump from doing anything similar, uh, that China would see 
uh, potentially is challenging its claim to sovereignty uh, over Taiwan. Uh, so the United States, in its uh, one China policy that it has of uh, the its relationship with the with the People's Republic of China, um, is such that uh, it really has to be managed carefully in terms of what things are said rhetorically, and uh, some of the ways in which policy is uh, conducted. Now the U.S. Does things like sell arms to Taiwan, as President Trump tweeted? Uh, that's something that uh, China doesn't like and sees that as a violation of the one China policy. But of course, the United States does that anyway. So many other people would say, well, a phone call is really nothing that should be considered that uh, that sensitive. Taiwan's a democracy. Uh, we have a close relationship with Taiwan. So, uh, and there's an argument to be made for giving Taiwan a little bit more, uh, more dignity. But from the perspective of Beijing, uh, this is a challenge to what Xi Jinping refers to as Taiwan's core interests. Uh, this is the core of the core. Uh, and at this particular juncture, it's ex especially sensitive. Xi Jinping faces uh, next fall uh, the 19th Party Congress, and so he is now working to further consolidate his power and cannot be seen as weak on an issue as sensitive as Taiwan. Uh, so it is likely, I think, that if, as president, Trump continues to challenge China on the issue of Taiwan, that uh, Xi Jinping could react very forcefully uh, because he needs to do so for domestic political reasons. The other reason why this is potentially dangerous for China is that Taiwan's president, Tsai Ing-wen, is from the Democratic People's Progressive Party. And that party has long been a pro-independence party for Taiwan, even though Tsai Ing-wen herself has not pushed a pro-independence agenda. She has sought to preserve the status quo and stability in cross-strait relations. But Beijing does not trust her. And their fear is that greater U.S. support for Taiwan could embolden Tsai Ing-wen to push forward an agenda uh, that could be seen as uh, pushing for independence and challenging Beijing's sovereignty. So this comes at a time that I think is very sensitive for Beijing. The Chinese want to have stability with the new incoming administration in the United States. They're always very nervous when the United States gets a new president. And like the rest of the world, I think they were more prepared for Hillary Clinton to become president than Donald Trump. And so the Chinese are scrambling like everybody else to signal to this incoming administration that they want to have good relations and that they want their interests to not be directly challenged. How does Tsai benefit from this? Obviously at home, this for her, it must be welcome to have this kind of engagement with such a high-level uh, leader, with the president-elect. Absolutely. Uh, Tsai Ing-wen's popularity in the polls has been declining uh, ever since uh, she became president last May. And she has been criticized not only by the opposition, but also by her own party. Uh, domestically, she faces challenges from uh, workers uh, who want more days off than she's willing to give them, uh, from the LGBT community that she's, they think that she's not 
as supportive as as they would like. Just a lot of domestic issues, and the Taiwan economy is also continuing to struggle. And the uh, image of the president of Taiwan talking to the president-elect of the United States is a huge boon for her. Everyone in Taiwan thinks this is a fantastic thing that the uh, the that Taiwan is on the on the radar of Americans that this incoming president might have a better relationship with Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan has felt very isolated um, for uh, a long time, uh, but recently, uh, with Xi Jinping in power and Tsai Ing-wen becoming elected, the Chinese have pressured uh, Tsai Ing-wen in all sorts of ways and tried to exclude her government from participating in international meetings. Uh, there was the International Civil Aviation Organization meeting that was held. And when Ma Ying-jeou was president in Taiwan, the Chinese had allowed a delegation from Taiwan uh, to attend as a, as a guest of the president of ICAO. But when Tsai Ing-wen became president, they blocked that participation. And there are many such examples. So I think the, the people of Taiwan just see this as a great victory for them. The unfortunate thing is that this will raise their expectations that the United States is going to have a fundamentally different policy toward Taiwan uh, after President uh, Trump is inaugurated. And I'm not so sure that that's likely to happen. Right, because at the the end of the day, this is a a phone call, a bit of a finger in the eye. Um, But what should we be looking for then for actual real concrete uh, developments? Well, I think we have to see, of course, who will be in key positions in the Trump government, uh, who will be those that will be advising the new president, and then, of course, what decision President uh, Trump makes regarding his policies uh, toward Asia, towards China and and Taiwan. Uh, But it is certainly premature to say that this signals a fundamental shift in the U.S. uh, one-China policy. Uh, Undoubtedly, as a uh, businessman who prioritizes the um, U.S. economy, reinvigorating the economy, creating jobs, um, there's no doubt that Trump does not want to have a confrontation with uh, China, which is our largest trading partner, uh, and we do about $600 billion a year in, uh, in trade with. And, and so there's no doubt he doesn't want to sacrifice the U.S.-China relationship for a better relationship with Taiwan. That said, uh, there is the possibility that he wants to enter into office Uh, keeping China off balance a bit, pushing back uh, against China. And there are many of his advisors, at least during this transition team period, who uh, are favorable towards the view that Taiwan is something that they can use to put pressure on China. Uh, These people are critical of the Obama administration for having been too accommodating uh, towards China, not being tough enough on trade, on the South China Sea, on North Korea. There's just a long list of of issues. And uh, so these people 
would like to have a better relationship, I think, with Taiwan because they think Taiwan's a good friend of the United States and is democracy and is deserving of better treatment. But they also think that this is a lever that the United States can use against China. But whether or not this will actually be implemented into a new strategy, I just think it's too early to say. I mean, on one hand, it, it seems that they are that the Trump administration is trying to at least leave the door open with China. They've appointed, uh, as close as you can say, a uh, friend of Xi Jinping's, uh, Governor Branstad of Iowa, to be the new ambassador to China. Governor Branstad first met Xi Jinping when he visited the United States in 1985. And Xi Jinping himself says that his first impression of the United States was gained through his introduction to Governor Branstad in his, uh, the two weeks that he spent in Iowa. And since then, uh, the governor has visited uh, Beijing many times, always seen Xi Jinping. When Xi Jinping was vice president, he visited Iowa again and met with Governor Branstad in uh, 2012. And, and so they've develop this relationship. And I think what's particularly important for the United States is that Xi Jinping has such a small inner circle of people advising him. We usually meet with the foreign minister or the state counselor, and those people don't necessarily know what Xi Jinping is thinking. So having a an ambassador in Beijing who can get on the phone and reach Xi Jinping and meet with him when necessary is critically important. Uh, President Obama has spent an enormous amount of time himself with Xi Jinping um, so that we can actually uh, try to influence his policies. And so I think this is a great choice in that sense. Um, he's also very familiar with trade between uh, the United States and China. He'll have a bit of a steep learning curve on security issues. Uh, he hasn't had much experience uh, dealing with um, tough issues, maybe like uh, the South China Sea or military uh, aspects, cyber, for example. Uh, but uh, he is a very good choice in that he has this personal relationship with Xi Jinping. And that's, um, I think, uh, critically important. And that was Bonnie Glazer bringing us to the end of our show. We'll be back with more next week. So until then, I'm Colm Quinn. Thanks for listening.